Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tried and True, a podcast hosted by Delaware War Machine. I am your host, Paul. And I'm Erica. Erica, congratulations. I just got done listening to the Primecast 14 and got to hear that you got to be on that. So that was pretty cool. Awesome stuff. Yeah, that was pretty neat. Thanks again, Emmanuel, for inviting me on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. How's uh, things been at the uh, shop and uh, getting ready for Boca Brawl? It's good. So Broker Brawl is falling in line with WTC. So we all had to quickly revamp our list from 75 to 100. So it's been a larger point games. And we're just trying to get in the headspace for that. Yeah, I'm really excited. We have list lock. What is it in like two weeks from now? Like the 14th or something? The 14th. Yeah, that's correct. Oh, man. I am so excited about playing some retribution on the table. Well, let's go ahead and give you a couple shout-outs. I think you did more than Dice for giving us another platform for spreading the good stuff. You can go ahead and check out more of their content creators like Boker Broadcast and Minority Report. There's lots of good stuff to go and listen to. If you haven't known or you didn't know about it, we are on YouTube. We just hit 1.2 thousand subs, so thank you so much. Looking to drive that number up and you know trying to spread the good word of War Machine out to everyone out there. And to all of our patrons on Patreon, thank you so much for your support with all of your assistance and your support you're helping us being able to create some more top of the line stuff for all the war machine players around the world so thank you so much and if you didn't know you could join the patreon by taking a look at the show notes down below we also wanted to highlight our sponsorship for today it's tabletop armory tried true 10 that is tried true 10 you go ahead and use that and you'll save yourself 10 percent on your orders we ended up uh talking out there and found out that a lot of people have been ordering whether the templates or the widgets and it's been really really good stuff i'm telling you you haven't been to the etsy shop tabletop armory you'll find lots of good stuff Oh, really quick, too, because we bumped into Tabletop Armory and Ron at Adepticon. They have some really cool, like, jack, like, markers. So if you don't have cards or if you don't want to track the damage on your phone, I actually picked them up for the Great Bear and the Dire Wolf. They're really cool. Uh, so they have they have some Mark IV stuff and wooden command cards. Those things are pretty hot. That is awesome. I'm going to have to go and hit that shop up again. All right, well, let's go ahead and introduce the guests. So we have a couple of fun people on for today. So let's go ahead and introduce the local to begin with, we have Rick. Now, if you end up taking a look at, uh, if you were at Adepticon and you hung out with uh, the Tried True folks, Rick was there, and he's one of the local players here. So, Rick, go ahead and say hello. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Rick, how about you just go ahead and quickly introduce yourself, like how long you've been playing War Machine, and you know what got you into the uh, game, and all that other fun jazz. Oh, yeah, sure. So, I've been playing since probably, I want to say, like, Midway Mark II when i got into it just had a local guy from when i was in maryland just gave me a whole bunch of signar because he needed somebody to play with so i got started there and playing ever since definitely been playing signar for a long time forever <laughs> and then i actually just recently got me in some dwarves so we're gonna see how those guys go here uh here pretty soon that's great and you also end up picking up the storm legion as well oh yeah so if it's if it has signar on it at all i'm playing it so if it's first army storm division um storm legion I'm there. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. And then we also have another guest with us. We have Mike from Nova. Mike, go ahead and say hello. Hey, I'm Mike from Nova. Ha ha. I am uh, one of the new owners of Nova, and I have been playing War Machine since Mark 1. 
How about Ooh. that? Show but off. I, yeah, it's okay. It was one of my first minis games, actually, that and Warzone. But I actually did not play in Mark III. I just started playing Brawl Machine when Mark IV dropped. So I am orphan right now. But I played Scorn, and uh, I have a whole bunch of Cephalix sitting right in front of me right now, waiting to be relevant in some way. Help me. I think uh, Cephalix are getting rules by July, right? I think they July are. Is- yep, they are getting rules by July. The recent Primecast 14 that literally just came out today, and on the day of the recording, it's uh, April 6th right now. Yeah, they, they end up saying, so what is it? At the end of this month, we're getting Guardians of the Temple Flame and Black Fleet. May is Winter Garden Storm Division. June, I'm excited because it's my two armies, uh, Mage Hunters and Exalted. And then Cephalix and Krail Warriors is in July. So all the prime armies are going to be ready by the summer, which is great. That is super great news. So at the risk of going down the rabbit hole, one thing I had read is that telekinesis is no longer like a functional thing. That was a big part of Cephalix. What, what do you think will happen with that? So how telekinesis works now is that if I remember, I don't have any TK casters that I'm playing right now, but I think Scavarus has it. And is that he can only do it like to friendly players? Yeah, Erica? so TK, yeah, it only affects friendly models, no longer enemy models. So it's still very good in the Mark IV environment in that you can manufacture different charge vectors that you may not have been able to do. You can also disengage your models with uh, the new movement rules that just came out today is, is very strong. Um, so even though, it, oh, I was going to say, even though it's not an offensive spell anymore, uh, it, it still has a lot of power. With the new unit rules also, it makes it so that like it's one guy in the unit can now get to somebody because of TK. Now the entire unit has you. So it definitely changes. It's not like it. I affect this one guy. You could affect six with the UA, and everybody's in. Yeah, I think the tech right now, specifically with Cricks, is that Scavrus takes what is, is like Witch Coven. What are the three witches that they're called? I don't remember. They, um, but anyway, the three of them have Spell Slave, and I think they can all do TK as well. So your your Bane's just go to weird places, and if you're not expecting it, like you're gonna they're gonna reach out and touch you. So, oh, uh, uh, Wither Shadow Combine. Th- that was it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I can tell you that Bane uh, Knights uh, and Bane Thralls have been a huge uh, powerhouse for every edition. So it's <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, they're very cool. strong in this edition. They're awesome. They're great models. Yeah, I am so excited to go see. I find it I find it funny that May is Winter Garden Storm Division because I know we have the Winter Core and these. Was it the the just wait, wait the trenchers is, for no? What am I? No, what is the? It's not Storm Division. What is it called? Storm, storm Legion. Legion. <laughs> it's the same thing it's the same thing but it's so newer. hard for me to keep track of them yeah but you know it, it i find it funny that they're getting that but i'm i'm excited to see them on the table i really like i like speculating on what casters that we're going to go ahead and see i know that from like other stuff i i mean i'm going down the rabbit hole here i know with mage hunters they said that the house Eloir was going to be in there. So whether it's Thyron or Falsir, I'm excited to see one of those two casters. They were like my favorite casters within Red, So I can't wait for that. Uh, I'm just, I can't wait for June. Cannot wait for June. Give, give me Striker back. That's all I want. And then real fast, because I'm pretty sure everyone saw about the Brine Thralls. The, was it not the Brine Thralls? The Brine Blood? The, tro- mm-hmm. the Trolls? What has everybody yep. thought about them? So as a... Um, Historically, uh, a Hordes player, I think I, I said this on our last podcast, I love the fact that the Beast, okay, it's like dress up where you change out their hats, 
or their little backpacks or what they're drinking and that changes their loadout or their animus so i'm all about dress up i love dollhouse uh i am in my not this faction although i absolutely love them aesthetically i think they're great i'm just super excited in the direction that warlock armies are going what i really like is almost the whimsical aspect of it like it, it seems it, it seems a little, I don't want to say out there, but it kind of has like that Grimkin feel where it's like a fairy tale kind of like idea. Like you have a troll swinging around a hammerhead shark. You know, it's just like, it doesn't. They're super flavorful and fluffy. And I absolutely love that. It's it it's like a strong army identity, which mm-hmm. was actually kind of a complaint of mine towards the end of Mark Three, where I just felt the armies were losing some of what made them unique. So it's so exciting to see Mark IV armies kind of embracing that aesthetic again. Um, I think they look great. I'm really interested to see what the other Hordes factions will do to have that kind of identity to them. Because they talk about Chimera. We have no idea what they're going to go and look like. Because it's supposed to be a Legion, you know, idea, right? Because it's, what is it, mm-hmm. um, the Twins. But I am really excited to see what else they come up with. Now, I don't plan on buying Trolls, but I kind of want the Heavy just to paint the one with the Hammerhead Shark. Like that, it just brings me so much joy to look at that model. I just I get a big old smile every time. I look at that little doctor guy or whatever he is that has the little... Oh, the carpenter, shark. doctor, yeah, dentist, mechanic. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Uh, there are even people in our Discord that were saying, yeah, they're just going to glue the hammerhead arm on the model. They're not even going to bother magnetizing it. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. All right, and then how about all the app updates? Erica, congratulations. The, the, the cart is a battle engine again. I hope you're happy about yeah, that. Yeah, long, long, hard fight there. Uh, shout out to Nate. We did it, man. <laughs> no, it's good that the uh, the, the Death Knell is a battle engine again. Um, I think that's going to open up a lot for the Grimkin faction. I think we're going to start seeing table time from warlocks like the Child, who kind of left behind in the Smart 4 update. So, yeah, I'm super excited. Bringing the Death Knell to Broker Brawl. There you go. And then what about like the other updated rules that they had? Because I know they just updated the rules with unit movement, and we are kind of talking about that earlier before like the podcast started so i think they finally said is that i I i feel like i should like actually pull up the wording of it but i think they they finally cleared it up saying that if you and you can guys correct me if i'm wrong if the model starts its charge and goes past something it doesn't lose that combat action it still can pass through the the thing so that screening models don't really have as much of an effect anymore am i right on that correct that's my interpretation of it okay yeah it's it really incentivizing very far-reaching threats because if you're not engaged in anything, I can just get the stuff in the back all of a sudden. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're gonna see tech like spells like Curse of Shadows or Veil of Mist. I think we're gonna see a lot of aggressive uh, play with those types of spells because now, yeah, you can just go. Yeah, that the flying models are gonna be a problem. I mean, there's not a lot of them out there, right? Because they're I know that uh, the... there's a whole faction there's of a whole flying faction models, of dude. Elite. Oh, geez, I forgot about those. Yeah. Yeah. There's like like so many things now that it's like, there's like, um, like in First Army, Siege can just give himself fly. The Mm. whole Legion faction. It's it's reminiscent of Mark 1. Right. Sword has a lot of flying stuff. Mark 1, there was Malik Karn. He was a (laughs) thing. I don't think he flew, but he he flew into enemies, though. Yeah, he flew into enemies and then ping ponged off of them. Yep. I was going to say, no, the only the ones I was thinking of was I was thinking like griffins as flying things. I know that the Orgoth had the rocks, but I think I 
Yeah, no, they're yeah, all the Legion meets. I don't know how I forgot about them and the grotesques. Ugh. Uh yep. oh, and then what about the updated rules that so buildings and structures, what is the wording of it? It's that you can have buildings and once they're occupied they're a structure, but you can't charge them? I think that they were trying to kind of uh sync up the rules with how structures and buildings work a little bit with some differences like buildings with the certain rules are able to be occupied while structures are, are not because structures are considered player owned but the buildings are not and then i know like the guard tower specifically has the carapace but they but neither can be charged anymore structures can't have aoe's spill off of them if you directly hit them okay so then you can still so let's say that you have the trencher blockhouse you can still charge that but the guard towers you cannot you cannot charge the blockhouse you can't charge it so you, no, no structures nothing can be no charged. structures can be charged anymore uh guard tower cannot be charged aoe's do not spill off of them so blockhouse okay. kind of ridiculous i just played it the other day it's kind of ridiculous that this giant 120 millimeter base when you hit it AoEs do not leave it, so it's not really incentivized to shoot at it. Yeah, but I mean, like, and I know they have only seen them. I've only seen played against one of those, like, on the opponent's side once. And for me to go deal with it, I'd have to go and charge it. Now, not being able to charge it, just it, I think yep. if there's a new puzzle now to ha- figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. But then, what are the other structures? So it's that the Menoff Church. I think the Circle has the Well, and well, Infernals have the Gate. Is there any other structures? Yep. Don't think yet. Okay, I can't remember all the. Stru- I think those are the four structures. I can't think of there's any any other ones, but those are the four big ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's just that. It's just it's it's a weird conundrum now. I don't know how to go deal with that unless if you just have like your jacks run up to it or something, or you just have your units run up to it. I. Yeah, yeah. the other thing they change is you can't target the little mans inside of a sprays anymore. So the the little oh, bit of tech. Yeah, the little bit of tech that um, armies had to deal with infantry and the towers was uh, was removed from the game. It's so, gonna in, it's gonna definitely incentivize the hunter rule way more now. And it also just incentivizes people to just be in the guard towers because it's really hard to be removed from the guard towers now. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I at the Depticon, I def- someone put Iris in one, and it was hilarious because she Iris just became uh, forty health armor twenty solo sitting in the middle of the board that's not right it was ridiculous it was hilariously <laughs> ridiculous and then isn't it like if you're up on the tower you get snipe or you get like yes. additional range is it uh, actually only if snipe? you're on the top only top if you're on level. the top floor top floor yep. only do you actually get the snipe roll or is it like you can get snipe on top of no like, that i think bonus? You, i think you can stack it because it just says plus four Ooh, range gross i'd have to refresh i have to relook i'm at looking it at it right yeah. now yes i believe uh, that's rick, rick is right Okay, because like that, that would be like ridiculous for just things like touching everywhere. Right, and it point. is a plus four, right, Erica? Yes, plus yes, four so, as long as you're on the top floor. Yep. So if anybody that has snipe, it's plus seven to your guns. And then how does sprays work? Does sprays work from the the base? Like if you're spraying Brit- outwards? Oh, yeah. yeah, base. You always measure from the base of the tower. Okay. They said it's the base. I think the rule said specifically the base point closest to the model that it's targeting. Okay. You know what the what the guard towers like now remind me of just because like the sprays and the guns it reminds me of, like StarCraft two bunkers whenever you throw like the flamethrower guys oh, like yeah. in there like the like the one hundred percent like that's, that's like, exactly big... what's gonna happen I'm yeah, gonna get like... me some, I'm gonna get me some storm throwers when that expansion drops for Storm Legion and I'm gonna throw five of those in there and they're gonna be range nineteen because of snipe and I'm just gonna spray everything that sounds 
awful. <laughs> it sounds terrible. And I guess the last thing is that they had lore updates. I haven't gone through everything. I read the Kishtar story, and I started part five of Dark uh, Dark Rising. I didn't. Um, I haven't read the Athena the chapter yet. Have any of you guys uh, read any of them? Uh, I have not. I haven't read anything past chapter four, and of course, I read Boris's um, fluff. I have not. Okay. I was going to say, because um, they talk about, because she's like the howling silence. I think they mentioned in there that she got her like throat cut. So like all she does is like gurgle and scream. So that's like, I think the idea about the howling silence is that she just makes weird sounds and she's quiet because she can't talk, which I'm like, oh, okay. It's a literal like description of like how she works. So that's gross. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, I guess the last thing that we can like go in and, and talk about, like at least like introduction stuff, Adepticon, do we, do we want to go share about Adepticon or just kind of like, point people towards like the Primecast and the, the more than dice interview that you end up doing? Cause Erica, you were on that. You and Andy were on that. Yeah. Do you think there's anything that's really left to talk about Adepticon? I mean, I think uh, at least like for me, I, I think I pretty much said all these, we said those resources are out there, but um, Rick, I think this was your first ever tabletop convention correct oh was it this was my first big tabletop convention so i think i think we should give rick the floor as a brand new person going to a big uh, convention and what it was like and doing the pp events yeah rick take it away so what was your overall feelings and thoughts about adepticon definitely walking in at first it was very exciting walking into the uh the convention center at first seeing that big old space marine that i would always see the pictures of (laughs) was really cool so definitely got a picture of that thing and then once things kind of started to fill up i underestimated how many people were going to be there <laughs> so um there's definitely moments of like this is a lot and like trying to like find a little corner to, to stay in for a little bit but just overall like all the pp events were run great the narrative event was wonderful i really enjoyed that and i i didn't think that i would enjoy narrative play like that but after playing into it like I'm excited for more. I'm ready to make things happen with that and play with a whole bunch of people on a table. And because that was just, it was hilarious just seeing like Bricks, Kador, Signar, and Gators on one side of the board (laughs) (laughs) just trying to help each other. And it was a lot of fun. And then I played in the ATC with Erica, Andy, and the Minority Report guys. Which was a which was a lot of fun and terrifying considering we went basically went up against the WCT C team. But hey, top table. I'm just saying. That's right, Rick. Hey, Rick, you did you did awesome, dude. You uh, you killed it all weekend. Now I was, I was still a bit, two inches. I would have won my game, and then we would have. Now, with that being said, we would have had to go a whole other round if I did. But <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun. The Storm Legion mirror match is terrible. Like what happens? Like does nothing happen, or does everything happen? Because of how like Storm Legion right now is playing, there's a lot of lightning or electric damage types that are out there. So like Storm Legion trying to shoot each other is not as funny as me shooting somebody else. Okay, so nothing happens. Or, like, really anything happens until like things start getting charged in. But uh, yeah, Athena doesn't like to see Storm Legion's infantry fighting her. Because <laughs> uh, her jacks just died to those Storm Guard. Athena shot me dead. With because uh, Wolf was standing in the middle of the table instead of two inches backwards in the forest. And when you lose, you don't lose the lesson. That's true. That's what I said. I said I would never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mike, I was actually wanted to ask, did you make it out to Adopticon? Nah, I didn't make it. There were other Nova guys there. But that's that's a great convention to go to. Um, that's a big boy, so that's a, that's a really big convention to be your first going out. That's awesome, man. Congrats. Yeah, it was it was it was really really cool. I really enjoyed walking the the floor for the vendor for the vendor hall. That was really fun. Um, it's good to hear too that the narrative went well. You know, narrative events are some of the most challenging for convention organizers to allow. I guess is what you would say, or host, because sure. they can be really, really great, or they can be like too much. It really depends on who's running it and how it gets run, and even who the players are. So it's it's awesome to hear it going well at Adepticon. I but, really, I really have to shout out Private Press for having run that game because I thought it was very, very smooth. Now, my only real, I guess, viewpoint of that is only that narrative, but it was it was fantastically run. So I actually wanted to take a second and ask about these narrative things is that because of the narrative scenarios that they're pushing in the War Machine app and the narrative event that they had at Adepticon, I- I'm almost thinking like this is getting a lot of traction as opposed to and talking about, I guess, competitive play, you know, like the I like the 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 steamroller or stuff. It, like, would you agree with me on that? Like, it looks like there's more of a push. Yeah. So my comment on it, as somebody that's been playing the game competitively for a few years now, so the current steamroller packet that we have isn't intended for Mark Four, and we can see that especially in lower point games like seventy five, like a hundred points. Okay, it's kind of working, but it still feels like there's something missing. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Objectively speaking, Mark IV is kind of this... It, it's a new game, like, effectively, yeah, no. right? So it's, yeah. it's, we got some familiar parts to it, right? I And it, we're still in our launch year. I don't think the game is entirely com- complete yet for competitive play. So the, uh, the fact that the narrative is uh, taking off as well as it is... First off, I'm having a ton of fun doing the narrative stuff, too, right? Like... The, the scenarios are, are great, and I think these types of games will are more, uh, what do you call it, accessible to a larger player base. But I think for competitive play, we really need to get an updated Steamroller packet. And I think that conventions, maybe for this first year, maybe that should be where the focus is to help grow this game. Yeah, I think it's that the, the narrative stuff is hitting beats better or at least it's drawing back of like well what's the objective what is the MacGuffin that the players are fighting for and because that we're not limiting ourselves to you know the zones I mean we still have like you know objectives whether it's like a 50 or 40 millimeter base but it's actually telling you like what that objective is and you kind of feel more compelled to interact with it and whether if it's like winning or losing like you're you're still enjoying the game yeah and it's and it's so fun to see a table that tells a story that's cohesive and again i think i was talking to you before paul where it's it's nice to see tables without the rectangles and circles on it they just they look nicer no i i definitely agree with that and I mean, with that, we, we can kind of move into actually talking about conventions and, you know, planning and going to them and stuff. But I, I wanted to go and say you're, you're saying about the 3D stuff. I meant to go and do the shout out earlier. Uh, if you are on the War Machine General uh, Discord group, there's if, if you go and take a look at the hobby area, there is this guy, uh, Workbench Maniac. And I think also like Tom Wiggins, these two guys have been like posting a lot of really cool like 3D elements to go ahead and add to the tables. I I would definitely say if you have uh, an FDM printer or even a resin printer, go and take a look at that. I mean, they have some like the guy made Iosin Terrain. Like I. Oh my gosh. 
I just started looking at it. I'm sorry. It looks yeah, great. no, no, no. Like wow. it's 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 so cool. Like it, yeah, so I'm interested in trying to to get this because if we can get these printed up and have them for the iOS and tables, like that's that's literally textbook like what the things looked like in the original dioramas that they had. So I, I have to say, like, you know, to the gentlemen that are working on and doing that stuff, like your work is not unnoticed and definitely a big shout out to you guys for that. I can't wait to put that forward and, and for the conventions. But yeah, those are those are beautiful. Yeah, no, they are. Like, I, 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 and I love the modularity of like the tower where you can like change it yeah. to different levels. I'm like, done. I, I want it. Wow. Yeah. So let's go in, I guess, like talk about conventions real fast, right? So, whether it's we can talk about Nova, talk about Adepticon and Erica. I know that you've been to a lot more conventions. We've, we've done Boca Brawl, we've done Nova, right? So, we can kind of talk about all of our experiences. Why should people go to a convention? Like, why should we go to Adepticon or Capticon or any of these places around here? Like, what is the benefit to, to somebody who is, you know, deep into the water of the War Machine or those who are maybe just starting to dip their toes into it? And maybe let's uh, start with Mike on this one. So, I don't want to brag, but I did win the War Machine tournament at Mechanicon in, like, 2010-something. <laughs> Um, so yeah so i uh i think there's a couple different answers on that it's probably different for everybody but first off i think there's there are different types of conventions like i go to captain con for very different reasons than i was going to nova back when i was an attendee at nova right for me i think the number one reason why you should go to a convention is it's like an adult sleepover (laughs) and it allows you to have the greatest medicine that anyone could have that we were deprived of for so long. And that is face-to-face laughter with friends, right? Or opponents or just peers. So to me, that's the number one reason why you would go. There are certainly a hundred supplemental reasons. Maybe you are a top tier competitive player and that's a qualifier or a place to show the world how strong you are. Maybe you like the, like you were talking about a, a cool themed table with a narrative event on it. But I think at the end of the day, what makes it different than playing any of those things in a different place is the camaraderie that you get out of it. I I agree with that. I find that now that we're getting out to more conventions, seeing a lot of familiar faces, it's kind of a reunion. And when I was talking to Emmanuel on Primecast, uh, that's kind of what I shared with him. It's it's really cool. But I like the adult sleepover analogy. (laughs) I agree with that. And then, Rick, how about, like, you going for Adepticon for the first time? Why did you choose to go to Adepticon as opposed to, like, not going to any of these conventions in the previous years? So, speaking as, like, a a kind of a new convention goer for myself, um, a lot of it was just, like, for me, it was just time and money. Um, Me having a a young one at home that's now kind of old enough that he's, I I don't have to, like, necessarily be home all the time because my wife might be with him or things like that, and it's just, like, it's manageable in that way. And then more so, like, for me, for this year, it was just, like, I just decided for myself that I'm going to go do more things in general just because I felt like I've been missing out on them a lot. And this one, Adepticon, became very easy for me to go to overall because I happen to have a friend that lives 20 minutes down the street from the convention center. So I just flew in and stayed at his house the whole time when I was not at the convention itself. But I do have to kind of uh, lean into the whole camaraderie thing for for me is I wanted to go meet more people, see new people, other people that enjoy this game that I enjoy. Not that we don't have tons of people at local, but it's interesting to have different types of perspectives from other places, things like that. It's just super interesting for me. Yeah, I have to say there ha- there's definitely a big difference from 
going to a convention yourself or like watching those like youtube highlight videos and stuff you know what i mean like they say like the like the recap like i mean eric you did the one for for the private your press events but i know that after adepticon my youtube feed came up with like a bunch of different people like walking around at the conventions like this is what to look at this is what to look at and stuff and i think that there's one thing about like seeing it on a video and then actually seeing it in person right you don't hear how loud the convention hall is when you open up the hotel door right it, it, until you're actually there to, to go see the energy that is there but not even yeah. that but i think also like go back to the the lord of the rings tables i mean mike you can talk about this for the guy that does the lord of the rings tables at nova like you could see them on like in pictures and it's one thing but actually seeing them in person like oh my gosh like it is inspiring to see what people are able to to go and do there's definitely a level internally we call it the con spectacle there are things you're just going to see at a con that you wouldn't see at a f- friendly local gaming store uh, typically right so devin moreno runs the uh lord of the rings events and his tables are iconic right you're not going to see tables like that adepticon uh this year they also had some amazing infinity tables right mm-hmm. so i think that's really interesting and i think that is part of it the giant space marine that you mentioned at the beginning right mm-hmm. like that's a con spectacle like last year we yep. had lit 40k laser tag at nova right that's a spectacle so that adds to kind of the crazy when you talk about it and i think another thing that gives you a lot of opportunity to enjoy the con is actually traveling to the con with friends you know uh, silly quote you know uh, brandon sanderson's uh, way of kings you know journey before destination right like enjoying the journey whether it's a carpool or train ride or or airplane 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 ride excuse me you know, you get crazy stories with that also. So it's it's this this whole energy, right, that's created by going someplace to share a passion in like a spectacle type environment, right? So would you say that it would be more of a benefit for people going to these conventions? Because thinking about it, th- have any of us gone to a convention by yourself, not going with a friend? Because I can say that Boca Brawl and Nova and all those other ones, like I've I've always was with somebody for that. Would you think that it's better to have somebody and try to maybe get a group, whether if it's just like you and one other friend, to try to get a group together? Personally, yeah, I think so. I had to go to Captain Con by myself last year, not this last Captain Con, but previously, and my travel partner just couldn't go last minute due to some health stuff. And while it was still an awesome trip, and when I got there, it was like a family reunion. The the travel experience was definitely missing. It was like a part of my con was missing because I didn't have someone. And then this year, I traveled with a, a Nova guy and uh, my regular Captain Con guy. And oh my gosh, the train! We took the train, and it was it was awesome. It was like a six hour odyssey of silliness, right? Each way. So that was I think that really put the cherry on top. Yeah, I probably would not have gone to Adepticon if I hadn't known that Andy and um, Erica were going to go there. Because just having that experience by myself for the first time and then not knowing who's going to be there or whatnot, that the, all those things, it's, it definitely changes the perspective of actually going. I was going to say, I think Erica articulated it very well on the Primecast. You said something about like it's, it's kind of tribal almost where mm-hmm. it's like you are – like if you're by yourself, you're, you're kind of on your own versus if you're there with a friend or a couple of friends, you kind of feel like you are – 
a bit of a tribe and then like the war machine players are like the bigger tribe you, you start to meld into that greater community being able to meet these people the, the these wtc players or just these individuals that are local to the area and this is the one con that they go to once a year and it's like oh man like you're like an hour away from us like hey we do steamrollers or events at our our store and you make those connections so now yeah. i i i definitely think that when you're looking at those you should probably go and take a look at going to it with another person now let's go and talk about how do you save money right because we know that the conventions are very expensive for the tickets how do you try to budget for that i have a friend that's close by <laughs> well <laughs> uh, you know traveling and sharing rooms traveling expense and rooms are your those are the main expenses right so going with a group again is the way to go. We we oftentimes travel, my buddies and I, we have a meta, right? Like the, we call it the mid-Atlantic meta. And we, like you were saying, like we're our tribe, we show up, right? It's the same thing. So there's, that, that makes it a lot easier if you know there's like four to, to eight people from your general gaming orbit going. Splitting the rooms and the travel costs is, is huge. Yeah, and even just networking with people online using social media or using Discord, you know, if you're in the area and you're talking to these people or you're doing war table with them, it's a, it's a way to link up too. Yeah, you know, some, be like, some cons will hook you up too, like at Nova and Captain Con. If you do volunteer shifts, you get like your pass comped, for example. Nova also comps rooms for event leads and volunteers at a certain amount of hours. Not every con does that, but most cons will give you a pass if you're volunteering. So that's a great way to do it. Show up like a day early, work a whole day, or just work one shift. Most places are going to need help around like the registration desk or maybe their painting contest or something. That may not be viable for everybody, but that is an avenue to look at. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. The other thing I would say too, uh, this may be more sensitive, but if you if you are having like a financial hardship scenario, like you should reach out to the tournament organizers or someone that you trust and feel comfortable talking to within the community because a lot of times uh, players will subsidize or the event will work with you. Um, that's something that uh, it doesn't get talked about enough because it can be embarrassing for people, but like we've all been through some stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're just having an odd year or something like that, something to consider. I, I, I always think about when someone loses an army, right? Like how a lot of times people really rally behind them. And I think you'd see the same kind of energy if it got you there and you otherwise couldn't be, assuming you're doing it for the right reasons, right? Yeah, I feel like the convention scene almost has like a celebration and we want you to celebrate with us. So I, I definitely would see that being something that would end up happening. What about for transporting your stuff? Because if you're driving, I think it's easy for us to go transport our models. You transport your models on a plane. Like what do you, how do you do them safely? Do you put them in overhead checking? Do you just, you know, bless off and put them in baggage? <laughs> no, you don't do that. You don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. So um, I guess I'll go first real quick. So I use battle foam bags. And if you go on their website, they're actually, what do you call it? Their dimensions of their bag will fit underneath of the airline seat in front of you and in most overhead luggage. Uh, I'm fortunate, right? So uh, I'm I'm the service veteran, so I get to with that early, you know, on to, to get on the plane. I uh, I partake in that whenever I travel with my miniatures. But I would caution folks if you are traveling with miniatures, obviously, like bring glue with you. Cause stuff's probably gonna uh, break in transit. But just pay close attention to the dimensions online and just make sure that they are compliant with either under the seat or in the overhead compartment. Do not check them. Yeah, yeah, don't. Uh, I use all magnetized cases for my stuff, and I know that that with gargantuans and some of the larger models, that may not be possible. But I've never had a problem 
carrying on with fully magnetized forces. Um, one of the other games I play is Infinity, and they have war machine-sized metal miniatures that are basically robots, right? They're like jacks. And the magnets have always worked well for me. But I think good good life lesson from Erica is just to always bring glue with you everywhere. Anyway, I just Erica, I just had a friend retire from uh, the army, and I gave him a case of super glue. <laughs> just like for so many reasons, you need this, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I normally don't 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 do the early uh, what do you call it boarding thing because I just like I don't want to be on the plane for that long. But if I'm carrying my miniatures, absolutely, I will take advantage of that. <laughs> Yep. I think that pretty much hits everything, unless we need to go talk about planning for going on conventions, or at least wrapping up. Uh, I wanted to actually go and talk to Mike and learn more about Nova itself, and a little bit about its history. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, Nova, Nova's been around for a while. It started in 2009. And it, I was not there, but a, a gentleman named Mike Brandt, who owned Nova for many, many years, ran it as a charity event to help raise money for his mother, who was a breast cancer survivor, and the, the proceeds went to the organization that she was working with. So the, the first thing you have to know about Nova is it has always been and will continue to be kind of zero profit. Everything goes to charity once we hit sustainability. I never knew that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's totally different than like the uh, the Adepticon model, for example. That's that's no offense to Adepticon. They they should do whatever works for them, and it's working quite well. But for us, it it kind of is. Uh, we had a very humble beginning that has just grown right over and over and over the years. So we've had some pretty wild stuff. Um, I, I remember uh, my first Nova actually was the the year of the Hurricane, which was a <laughs> earthquake and hurricane at the same time so that's gotta have been like 10 years ago now at this at this point the other thing that's unique about nova is it's all volunteer there's no employees right so uh, again because we're we're trying to provide all the money we can to our charitable partners we do rely on our volunteers to do everything so we are quite liberal um, in how we compensate our volunteers in order to make that happen while still trying to respect the cost of the uh, attendees which is challenging right uh, also you know as everyone's been coming back out into the world I'm sure you've noticed everything costs more it's kind of weird <laughs> so that conveys that conveys over to, to running a convention as well so in 20. 20, I guess. Yeah, COVID canceled us, right? And right around that time, Mike Brandt, who owned the convention, was hired by Games Workshop to be their director of uh, like events for the world, right? Which is cool. I think even though we're not talking about Games Workshop in this particular podcast, it is relevant that when Games Workshop is involved and act, uh, I guess communicating and running things with the gaming community at large, more gamers come in, right? Like they they are responsible for getting people to play the game, right? So it is it is a good thing I think that they have kind of said, "Hey, we're going to be active now," and he kind of led the charge on that. So that's pretty cool. But he can't run or own a convention at the same time. So what happened was a group of volunteers, uh, myself included, uh, basically took over Nova. Uh, so like I used to run the Infinity events, for example. I was the Infinity guy, the Malifaux guy. Those guys all came together. So all the volunteers that were running the event took over the event, if that makes sense. There's so many things I wanted to ask. I guess the the first one, because you're talking about with like Nova and it getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like how many people are working in the background doing like the social media plugs or working on budgeting or hotel room planning or space planning and stuff like, like how, how much stuff do we not see? 
<laughs> a lot of stuff. So I'll give you an example. The person who answers the customer service emails right now, she gets between 10 and 100 emails a day. <laughs> yeah, And now most of them are, are pretty easy, right? Um, but there's a lot of flow through that takes up a lot of time. So for example, Erica is running war machine events at Nova, right? So we get like a fair amount of people who just email customer service at novaopen.com to ask war machine questions, you know? <laughs> so we are going to be transitioning to a discord to help with that because it's, it's just too much of a bottleneck for specific requests like that. And our a customer service generalist isn't going to be able to answer them with the same depth as the, uh, the TO, right? Right. So, uh, but to answer your question, there is uh, a core, I'd say, of about 20 people working full time throughout the year to figure out how to get the word out, how to coordinate with vendors, volunteers, all that kind of stuff. And then we surge up, up to the event. And then the day uh, days of the event, we typically have four hour shifts that people can sign up for, which gets them a pass into the, the con. And I guess like registration is a big one. Nova's known for having great on-site registration. Um, so we try not to have a long line. So we will have upwards of eight people at registration at any one time. Last year, we had to have a lot because we had the vaccine stuff going on. This year, we don't have that requirement. So that will take some pressure off of the team because that's, that's a lot of logistical work. I know Adepticon uh, had to deal with that last year as well. And I'm sure they appreciated not having to deal with it this year. Uh, Erica or Rick, did you have any questions you want to ask? I thought that was wonderful. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a lot of work, man, and it's it, none of us are getting paid for it. Uh, if if anything, we're paying for it, right? <laughs> so, but I, I do want to plug uh, this year, if I may. Uh, you know, our charitable partners. You know, we uh, we do support. So what else, which is a local food insecurity charity, it helps folks in Maryland, Virginia, D.C. Uh, get meals, which uh, I didn't know that. So like growing up, I was always on reduced lunch, but I didn't know there was people who actually like counted on school lunch for their food. Like that's their only mm-hmm. meal that was guaranteed. I did not know that. I'm very privileged. And uh, so that was really eye-opening. So we partnered with them after during COVID because that was a huge need in our area. Uh, the Maryland, Virginia, D.C. area has a, a very big separation between the people who have and do not. And so that was a way that we could we could partner. We also work with Table War Charities. Table War Charities uh, sponsors families in their needs as they identify one of their kids having autism. Uh, so your kid has autism, like, what do you do? So they help you go through that, right, to get the services that you need. And then this year, we also added uh, the Mental Health Charity Painters, which I'd encourage you guys to check out, mhcp.org. And they are cool. They're a 503 that just focuses on veterans' mental health. And may or may not be aware, but a a significant percentage of our gaming demographic are veterans in some way, especially in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area. And so they have kind of a painting consortium on Twitch where they paint and raise money for mental health advocacy and awareness of prevention of veteran suicide and uh, mental health retreats. So uh, what we did change, though, in 2022 for Nova is instead of having like a charitable foundation where everything just goes to that and they distribute it, now what happens is these charities will be present at Nova. They were present last year and they raise money face-to-face with our attendees, right? So there's more transparencies that people know where it's going and maybe they can pick a mission that works more in line with how they feel, right? So I just wanted to plug that because it's it's critical to understand that's what makes Nova different operationally than some of the other conventions. 
Yeah, that's really cool. I, I didn't even know all that. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's just like the things like you don't know until like you start like asking and probing some questions about that. So how is Nova, I guess, keeping the momentum forward and, and what changes? I think, are you at a new hotel this year? I think I heard. Yes. We, 2022 was like, hey, we're back. Let's try to run a convention post-COVID, right? We also had a lot of obligations to hotels and vendors and stuff that we picked up, you know, over COVID, right? People who had expected to be at the convention or hotel contracts. So we are too big for one hotel or had been too big for, for the hotel we were in is a better way to say it. So in 2022, we split into two hotels, which was a terrible idea, but we wanted to make sure we had enough space for everything. While we were very successful in terms of the number of attendees that came, personally, I felt, felt a little fragmented. And the people that were in one hotel really didn't interact with the people in the other hotel. And there were things going on that people just had no clue even happened because they, they didn't see it. I, I don't want to interrupt, but you're absolutely right about that. Because that was the same thing was like we were in the one. I didn't realize that on the second floor of wherever that one like that like restaurant bar was. I didn't realize there's a whole other like con- like stuff that was going on like on that second floor area. Like we just yeah, kept and- on going across the street for all like the 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 like where the store was and where all like the big gaming hall was. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think, you know, and I don't know if that was an assumption on our end planning it that people would just think, I mean, we did invest in signage, but I think the reality is too, like, you're going to hang where your players are, right? So if War Machine is in one hotel, you're probably going to stay there most of the time, right? So this year we're in the uh, Washington Hilton, which is presidential level Hilton. It literally has a bunker for the beast and a private elevator for the president. And it is, it's a pretty big deal hotel. It allows us to get bigger and have everyone under one roof. It is on average the same price as it was going to be compared to last year's prices. It would have gotten significantly more expensive as our contracts expired to to continue where we were. And we do one of the primary calculuses we do when we pick what we're going to do is how does each attendee get impacted financially? So we have two kind of imaginary attendees. We have the solo attendee and we have the the buddy attendee, right? Who's split in a room, split in a car uh, versus the individual. So we look at both of those. We try to make sure it's as close to neutral as it, as it can be, right? I mean, obviously everything's more expensive this year, but that's why we pick certain hotels over others. You know, I, I laugh because uh, I was one of these people that for years was like, they should go to the Gaylord. It's the best hotel. And then when I had the opportunity to go to the Gaylord in that capacity, I was like, oh, it's $400 a night. I don't think our, our attendees are going to like that, right? So it was just kind of interesting so yeah so the new hotel is is huge i encourage you to look it up online it's the washington hilton on connecticut avenue and we are going to have bigger space for everything so war machine 40k vendor hall we added a demo hall this year our hobby haven area is much larger and is programmed now so we have paint and takes and speed painting competitions and those are short little one hour things that you can get tickets for and those directly support the charities we also have over 100 art classes this year, which is pretty cool. That's uh, like a third larger than last year. And then we also have the largest open form painting competition in the country called the Capital Palette. And what that means is that there's not a brand restriction. Like Golden Demon is awesome, right? But it's it's all GW, right? And Golden Demon, you can only be like first, second, third, fourth, right? In an open format, anyone can win gold anyone can win silver within their own category because they're measured to a universal rubric within that category and it encourages you to challenge yourself year after year and get better and better and then enter the the higher level so it's a very different style and that that's a very popular uh, thing that happens at nova as well 
Yeah, that's really cool. The other thing, the other appealing thing is where Nova is located geographically. So if you're going out with your family or your kids, there's so many museums and parks and historical sites in that area. So even if you just wanted to take a break from the convention, you could, you know, go check out some of the national monuments. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of that, Erica, one of the big things that we as ownership wanted to do, the new ownership is, you know, most of us have spouses and kids, and we wanted to see more family-friendly events within Nova. Nova's always been very family-friendly con, like you're not going to see inappropriate stuff, you know, unless you really say like all war games are inappropriate. You're not going to see inappropriate cosplay. You're not going to see people acting crazy in like a, a violent or inappropriate way. We just don't tolerate that. It's just not our vibe, right? It's always been cool and chill. But what we have found is there's a lot of people that orbit our nerd space that like to paint, like to play board games, things like that. So we've grown a lot laterally. For example, you have 300 person 40k tournament, like that's still really big, but I'm not sure that it's as important to get a 320th person as it is to get 20 buddies or family groups that can take a painting course or play. We have a play to win board game library where when you play it, you get a raffle ticket to win the game that you played, right? So those are examples of, of things that we've tried to expand to. And I think those are also really good for that con spectacle we were talking about. Like we have commander meetups or we can use the board game thing, the play to win, right? You guys played a whole bunch of War Machine and you're like, dude, I'm done. I don't want to play a pickup game of War Machine. Let's go grab a beer and let's play Secret Hitler or Catan or whatever, right? I mean, they have a lot more games than that. Don't get me wrong. So you, you guys are hanging out and one of you guys wins that game. That's awesome, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I think, I think we actually did that last year. <laughs> We're so tired of like War Machine after the second or third day. Yes, yeah, so those are big days. I mean, uh, every main event that has like, I call it a main event if it has a two-day event. That's a lot. That's a lot mm-hmm. of one game. And as much as you love that game, like your body can only take so much, right? Yeah, your mind can only take so much. That was actually a takeaway that I think Paul, Andy, uh, Dan and I, the, our takeaway from last year was we like, so our events, if you're coming to War Machine, all right, wait, let's plug the events a little bit. All of our events end between 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. So like all of our schedule awesome. stuff. Yeah. So if you want to go out and grab dinner or you want to go see something or go see a show, uh, we definitely kept that in mind. And then also to allow a, a spectrum of events for, you know, people who are just coming back or wanting to check out the game. And of course, you know, we're going to have the IG qualify and the more hyper competitive stuff. But there's something for literally for everybody and everything is going to be supported with awesome prizes and fun. So yeah, come to Nova, guys. I mean, can I also do another plug? Or would you say, didn't you just say that we're now doing an RPG, like Iron Kingdoms campaign? Oh, yes. So uh, if you're into role-playing, 5th uh, edition D&D stuff, so uh, we have two of our DMs, uh, Tears and Gatorman Pete, who are going to be DMing some Iron Kingdom sessions at Nova. So we're going to get that event built. I need to talk to Owen. I need to get the time slots from the DMs. Uh, they're both fantastic, like game running individuals. So stay tuned to take a look at that. Uh, we have some really great tables that Paul's been working on. Yeah, we're 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 trying to put on a really good show this year. And, uh, we would love for yeah. the community to come out and and hang with us. Yeah, the, we have actually uh, like private RPG rooms. Well, private in that there are a few RPG tables in the rooms. Uh, it's not just like plugged into the corner of a convention hall. So, you know, we want people to feel like you know they're getting 
they're getting value when they do RPGs. We have competent DMs running things in a quiet and comfortable space, right? Not in the corner of a convention hall. So that's that's a big thing we try to do with that. You know, it's interesting because every every year what people are into kind of changes a little bit. You know, War Machine's got a new edition. We see 40K has a new edition coming out, right? So it's hard to know how your player base is going to adapt to that. But I think in general, like the hardcore players, the tournament level players, we'll call them, right? They're married to that game. They're going to continue with it. And it's just a matter of what do the tertiary people uh, do? And that's where I think the narratives can be really strong. Or like you mentioned, RPGs, you know, lateral events within the same universe that people love using the same models that they love with the same people that they talk to. Those could be really strong. So we look for that also. You notice with 40K, uh, with the new edition coming out, you know, we're still going to have a 40K tournament. And you know what? We might lose from people, some people to that. They might go narrative instead. And I imagine War Machine will be a similar thing. It, it really just depends on what people like about it and what is going on and being advertised. You mentioned how Privateer Press is really leaning into the narrative style. So if that's what people come to expect from the conventions and that's what they're hearing their friends talk about, that's what they're going to want to see, right? No, for sure. Absolutely. Was there anything else that we wanted to plug in for Nova? Erica, did you have anything we need to go and say? The only thing I would say is if uh, you're considering you know, coming to Nova just to get your, your tickets early, we may shuffle some of the attendance on our events so we're seeing uh, more of our casual narrative stuff uh, starting to sell more so I think we're gonna we're gonna shuffle some of those yeah we're uh, you know try and true we'll be at the broker brawl uh, we'll be at siege invitational Liberty brawl and Nova that's what we are confirmed for for this year so and, and sussy scuff oh and the Susquehanna scuffle yeah I'm gonna start pushing that after broker brawl I'm gonna wait for broker brawl to uh, to conclude and then um yeah we'll start pushing out sussy scuff in May. I think I, I was uh, joking around whether it's going to be Seth or Pete or Rick actually as well. We were like talking with them. It's like we'll be a uh, team dad, and we're going to wear jerseys with our uh, kids' heads on it, and we're going to wear we're going to wear like really tall socks <laughs> <laughs> and Crocs. Yes. Okay, um, yeah, I just want to say a hey, big thanks to to Mike for coming on and talking about Nova. We're we're really excited. So it's it's Delaware War Machine. It's our first year running. Uh, running something at a convention so we just we want to do right by the community and uh we're hoping that uh, it'll be a successful year we're really excited so thank you for the opportunity oh thank you and i want to say you know erica your your energy your your whole crew i mean war machine's been a regular thing at nova for many many years it's been huge it's been not huge but one thing that i notice big time is the energy that you guys are putting into making this event unique and memorable right and efficient <laughs> and organized okay. so i you know that that is very noticeable as someone who spends a lot of their time babysitting uh and that's no offense to any of my leads there's just a lot going on and everyone has a life but you guys are really making your attendees front and center. And that's something I notice uh, as someone who organizes it from the back end. So there's there's some insight from the other side. Oh, thank you. No, I appreciate it. That's nice. I think your yeah. players will really notice it. I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Rick, did you have any words that you want to go and say before we head on out? Privateer Press, fix the mechanics. Which is good. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess with all that, we'll go ahead and catch you on the next episode and we will see you on the next one. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye, guys.